0: It's been one year since George Floyd was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer. And since then, Oregon lawmakers have taken concrete and bipartisan steps toward addressing how officers can deploy force in the state. More bills aimed at holding officers accountable are likely to pass this session. And Oregon's lone black woman lawmaker, Janelle Bynum, has been at the center of those policy changes. She is openly aiming for higher office. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with You Oregonian. Up next, criminal justice reporter at the paper, Noelle Crombie, talks about why she decided to write an in-depth story about Biden right now. We talked about how the Happy Valley Democrat got into politics, how she became a power broker in Salem, what her reputation is in the Capitol, and why she doesn't shy away from vocally opposing people in her own party. Here's our conversation. Noelle Crombie, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: In the past year, Noelle, we have heard a lot from Portland area elected officials like Joanne Hardesty and District Attorney Mike Schmidt specifically kind of regarding criminal justice reform issues. But there's been a lot going on in Salem and you focused on State Representative Janelle Bynum. Why do you want to profile her right now?
1: I was aware of Representative Bynum's involvement behind the scenes on incidents that called into question the treatment of black people in Oregon. There were two episodes in particular, and they're both complicated and nuanced, but the bottom line was that for Representative Bynum, she saw unfair treatment, or at least questionable treatment, of Black Oregonians. And I'd spoken with her at length about both of those incidents, and these are both over the past year. And then, of course, I've been writing in depth, uh, following in very closely the debate about Measure 11, and so i spoken with her about that, um, and about criminal justice, a policy at the statewide level. Uh, her name comes up a lot in conversations about criminal justice policy. Um, and so I thought those things really, um, well, those factors really made me feel like, you know, it's time for us to profile her.
0: So let's just uh, learn a little bit more about her as a person. What's she like? You got to spend a lot of time with Representative Bynum, which is kind of a, a luxury as we emerge from the pandemic. Um, just kind of what, what's she like? Tell us about her.
1: Well, it was very hard to get on her calendar. And uh, she kind of put me off for a couple of weeks. And I really tried to lobby her for time um, sooner. And it was it was hard to to find time <laughs> with her. She's really busy. She's got four kids. She's spending long days in Salem. Um, and she just didn't have time to sort of you know sit down at her house for, for formal interview. So I I asked if I could just spend the day with her at work. And I got to her house at 6.30 in the morning. She was ready for work. Uh, She was cooking dinner for her family, you know, like wrapping it up for them in case she wasn't going to be back in time for dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, She then really was like, you know, grabbing her keys and hustling out for a a highly scheduled day that involved, you know, presiding over uh, committee meetings, testifying over committees, uh, meeting with lobbyists, and as well as her caucus. She did have some quiet moments. She paused to say a grace over her lunch at her desk at the Capitol. She seems to have, you know, a really good sense of humor. She's very personable. I heard from people who were, you know, in, even Republicans who consider her a friend uh, and have a good working relationship, but also a personal relationship with her. And I can see why she's, you know, very warm and uh, funny. She seemed to roll with the punches of the day, uh, which was honestly a pretty exhausting one from what I saw.
0: I want to get into some of her legislative accomplishments in the past year in a minute. But, you know, first off, as a reporter, when we've been, you know, operating remotely for so long, I mean, what was it like for you to actually be with the source for for that much time? I, I would imagine it was kind of both exhausting and, and fun because it's like a going back to the old days.
1: It's the best part of the job. I I got to uh, get out of the uh, "quote unquote" office, which is my home, <laughs> and I, and I got to spend the day uh, with you know a really influential figure in Oregon politics and kind of peek behind the curtain at lawmaking and really what makes um, you know this powerful uh, person uh, tick. It was a real privilege and a perk of the job.
0: So what does make her tick, and how did uh, Representative Bynum get into politics?
1: You know, she said she was drawn to politics by her interest in business and education. As I said, she's a mother of four. The uh, issue of public education was one she wanted to work on. Uh, she also, you know, is a an employer. She and her husband own McDonald's franchises in the Portland metro area. And so both from an employer point of view um, and from a parenting point of view, she those were the twin issues she felt passionately about. You know, she told the House leadership she was willing to take on an assignment on the Judiciary Committee, and that's where she, she sort of just jumped in and and developed an expertise in police accountability, which... You know, uh, this is this is the issue of the moment in in this post uh, George Floyd era when um, policymakers and states and uh, citizens are reexamining policies around particularly around criminal justice um, and equity. And she really has uh, played a a lead role in in a close examination of, of that issue.
0: Well, that's a good segue to talk about some of the legislative accomplishments uh, in the past year. Uh, what has Representative Vinnum and her her colleagues down in Salem? What have they been able to accomplish uh, one year since uh, George Floyd was murdered, and we kind of became this? Um, it became a big national focus on these issues.
1: She has helped to move along a slate of bills that do a bunch of things when it comes to policing. Uh, The Oregon house has passed bills that call on police to investigate potential gender-based hate crimes. They require uh, officers to report misconduct by colleagues uh, and train officers to perform CPR and call emergency medics. If someone suffers medical distress uh, when they're being restrained, another measure requires police agencies to ask applicants about their opinions on race um, and then rigorously evaluate them. Uh, last year, she played a leading role in um, the effort to change the state's use of force law. One lobbyist that I spoke with said, you know, they think that this was among the most ambitious packages uh, of legislation to come out, you know, of, of a legislature in the, in the country uh, in, uh, in the past 12 months. So it's, it's a significant number of bills. They are wide in breadth and scope.
0: How is she viewed in Salem?
1: Well, I spoke with a lot of people for this piece and uh, it sounds like she uh, is well thought of but also she's uh, known as someone very focused on her own priorities uh, she was sort of described as a you know a good strategist, a good politician she doesn't shy away from conflict or try and sugarcoat disagreement One of the things that that stood out was you know her willingness to air disagreement um, mm-hmm. and uh, to you know just, sort of say it like it is. And, you know, as far as she's concerned, as long as there's an open dialogue among those who disagree, there's still a chance for possible compromise. You know, I did speak with House Republican leader, Christine, Representative Christine Drazen, who, you know, noted that this very popular sex crimes bill um, it was had bipartisan support was held up by representative Bynum uh, Bynum was you know very focused on measure 11 reform and was trying to generate um, more support for that so she you know held up this popular legislation that ended up passing but representative Jason pointed out that you know there's sort of a you know a singular focus there that you know sometimes can be can interfere with um, compromise on other uh, bills.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, she's not um, afraid to speak her mind or disagree with her caucus. And Democrats in Oregon, it seems like in recent years at least, have kind of stood in line um, (laughs) and fallen behind leadership. But Representative Bynum took a run at Speaker Kotech um, (laughs) and her position as a a leader in the caucus. Can you describe how that went down and, and what ultimately that led to?
1: Yeah, she's been clear about that. um, Ascending to that position is, you know, a goal, and that maneuver, you know, again stands out because she was very public in her pursuit of the position. She ended up dropping the bid, um, and um, Speaker Kotek, at at the same time that Representative Bynum announced that she wasn't going to pursue that. Speaker Kojak announced pledges that she um, she made a series of pledges um, to Bynum um, about, you know, creating dedicated space on the caucus leadership for House members who are black, indigenous or, or people of color, launching a committee to consider increasing lawmaker compensation so people of modest means can afford to serve, uh, providing langu- language translation at the Capitol so lawmakers can communicate with constituents. So uh, Bynum, Uh, Representative Bynum uh, ended up, you know, dropping the bid, but got these uh, promises in in exchange. When I spoke with her, she was pretty clear uh, that she plans to pursue, uh, you know, a congressional uh, seat. Um, That's sort of uh, what she see where she sees her career going.
0: It's a pretty phenomenal rise considering her political career did not start, you know, (laughs) until recent years.
1: Yeah and she's um also coming from an overwhelmingly white county um and she spoke a little bit about that you know she is she sort of um uh had an infamous incident while campaigning um yeah. that i think highlighted the the the, the challenges
0: yeah, that let's let's talk about that, because I think for a lot of people who don't track the happenings in Salem, uh, all they may have known about Representative Bynum before this year and all of the legislative action we just spoke about was her, um, you know, uh, really alarming incident while she was uh, campaigning in, in her Happy Valley, Clackamas uh, County area. So, yeah, tell us what happened there.
1: Yeah, it was in 2018, and she was campaigning, going door to door, and talking with constituents. And, uh, and then she would stop at the on the sidewalk after her those conversations and take notes about the concerns they had raised. While she was doing that, a, a Clackamas County sheriff's deputy pulled up, and she said. When she was recounting the story, it was sort of her her time was up. She, you know, it was her turn to have a police encounter. Um, that was her first thought, and um, she remembered saying to the uh, to the deputy, "Let me guess, somebody called you?" and and it was true. A a resident um, had called the police to note that you know someone was someone appearing to be suspicious was in the neighborhood. What was Particularly poignant about Representative Bynum's recounting of this was, you know, she put a, she had to put a lot of thought into going out, going door to door. You know, she she didn't campaign with her husband by her side because, you know, she was concerned about drawing attention as a black couple walking in the neighborhood. She paid attention to her dress. Um, she described it as very clackamas. She was wearing, you know, khakis and Eileen Fisher sandals and. And yet, she was still identified by a, a resident as someone who appeared not to belong. That was a really um, a difficult experience for Representative Bynum. I could tell in recounting it that it was, you know, still uh, painful. Um, she remembered telling the woman who called in, uh, the complaint, uh, because she had asked the deputy, you know, to, to, to speak with the woman. So he called her yeah. and handed the phone to, um, representative Bynum who, who told her point blank, you know, you, you could have gotten me killed. And I, and I think for her, it, it was a reminder of the, you know, vulnerability of black people when it comes to police. She did not talk about it a lot with her husband and children. She was concerned it would, you know, frightened them. And her, her son, when he did learn about it, had a nightmare about um, about the experience. And so she, she told me that, you know, that incident still hurts.
0: Yeah, you mentioned her son, um, who is, he's a teenager, right? He's uh, 17 or 18.
1: She has uh, four children, two sons and t- two daughters. And yes, her oh. older son is 17 and, and in high school.
0: What has, um, you know, obviously it's not just one year. We tend to, in journalism, look at one year and one year anniversaries and George Floyd's uh, murder uh, by a a Minneapolis police officer was one year ago. But I would imagine raising black boys uh, in America before that was um, worrisome.
1: The topic of parenthood came up a lot in my conversation with her. She spoke about, you know, not just her hopes and her, you know, dreams for her own children and their own, you know, freedom and ability to express themselves and be themselves, but she she was very clear um, and spoke with a lot of care about her worries for her older son. He's 17. Um, She... Told me that he is uh, has a darker skin tone, and that uh, people associate a darker skin tone with danger. And she is is clearly very uh, preoccupied by um, his safety out in the world. Uh, and she made very clear, though, you know, how you know she believes her son is beautiful. And it was it was actually a difficult. Part of our interview because she is, you know, she is so uh, focused on on his on his well being.
0: Does she feel added weight as a lawmaker to find ways to protect him, or is there just not anything you can really do? Um, th- that's just a an issue too big to tackle. Well,
1: I think what she um, as a lawmaker, and I heard this from other uh, from her colleagues and other sort of political insiders. The other people I spoke with mentioned, uh, you know, unprompted that, you know, Representative Iams is a parent, and they understood uh, the the unique challenges she discussed as a Black mother. And she was clear with me, too, saying, you know, when she talks to her colleagues, she tells them, racism is not my problem to fix. I need you to do the right thing and imagine a future. This is how she put it. Imagine a future for my children like you imagine one for yours. So these discussions are very personal to her. And she makes those personal connections when talking about these really big, complicated, messy policies.
0: Well, let's take a break and come back and talk a bit more with Noel Crombie, investigative reporter for The Oregonian and Oregon Life. Noel, a couple of times in this show already, we've discussed mandatory minimum sentences and measure 11. But um, can you remind listeners what that is and what does Representative Bynum hope to uh, address or tweak or just, you know, overhaul when it comes to measure 11?
1: Measure 11 is Oregon's longstanding mandatory minimum sentencing law. Proponents of changing the law say it's outdated, it's inflexible, it's overly punitive. Um, and this legislative session, there were four uh proposals that would have rolled back or made significant changes to these to this law um, and and the law applies to the most violent crimes and and it's it's a, a when someone is sentenced under a mandatory minimum they are serving every day of that sentence proponents of keeping the policy say you know it, it Allows for consistency in the criminal justice system. It it removes you know any kind of you know concerns on the victim's part that there'll be some disparate treatment of a defendant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a pretty fierce debate that has um that that is also one that is ongoing. We hear about this every, every session really, but this session there there seemed to be some potential momentum around changing it, and it's a priority for Representative Bynum. She wants to see a significant reforms to mandatory minimum sentencing the the one proposal that is still sort of in play is is still in the rules committee there's still discussions about it's Viability. I actually not quite sure where those stand at this time. She has a a very sweeping uh, criminal justice bill, uh, House Bill 2002, that originally included some mandatory minimum changes, but those were taken out um, and don't. They're not in the current form of that bill. Um, and I, I think that speaks to the really charged nature of the discussions around uh, changing that that law, which is popular with some lawmakers and some Oregonians.
0: Yeah, and uh, former President Trump um, was really uh, leading leading a movement, or, or I guess speaking at the national level of a movement of Republicans um, that had started to see criminal justice issues in a different light, um, and kind of how we incarcerate people overall. Has that trickled down to Oregon Republicans as well? Does Bynum have um, people on the other side of the aisle who agree with her on elements of of the mandatory minimum issue?
1: Well, you know, I, I was speaking to Representative Drazen about that, and she said, you know, Republicans are more than willing to be part of the conversation on sentencing reform. But- she said those discussions have got to include victims' perspectives um, and public safety uh, that it needs to be a collaborative discussion um and and by the way, when it comes to victims' perspectives, you know victims mm-hmm. are not a a monolith uh, monolithic voice on mandatory minimums. I've spoken with uh, crime victims who think that the policy should be changed, and I've spoken with uh, those who believe that you know it's it's a valuable policy that needs to remain in place so um Yeah, I think there's some willingness around discussions uh, around Measure 11, particularly looking at, you know, particular crimes that maybe um, there might be some flexibility on revisiting whether mandatory minimums are needed for some of those crimes. Uh, But I just don't know that those are we're going to see those this session.
0: Uh, let's go back to uh, Representative Bynum, the person, a little bit, because um, she has an interesting background um, beyond just being uh, the lone active um, Black uh, female lawmaker. Um, she was also an engineer, right, and um, and uh, attended a historically Black uh, college and university as an undergrad, and and so she has roots that um, that aren't, you know, that that are different than some of the other lawmakers in Salem.
1: Uh, that's right. She um, was born and raised in Washington, D.C., uh, and she was telling me that um, it was her decision to, to pursue going to a private school for high school. She was really uh, smart, and her parents had her in all kinds of enrichment programs, like really high-quality enrichment programs in the D.C. area at universities. She did a program in Japan. She did a program as a very young woman at at Boeing, she, she was always, um, you know, interested in learning and developing herself, and, you know, her mother said that uh, she never worried about her daughter, that she was always on it when it came to schoolwork, and, you know, we knew where she wanted to go. She ended up going to Florida A&M. Um, and then on to a to a graduate degree at the University of Michigan. And then she was at GM and she as an engineer and she that's where she saw herself. She wanted to rise through the ranks of, of GM and run the place. Um, but but her <laughs> her husband is from Oregon. And they after 9-11 uh, made the decision to move here um, and, and have a family here and 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 Work for um, his mother, who was the, the first uh, black fr- uh, McDonald's franchisee owner in the state. And the Bynum's then developed their own business um, and, and now own four franchises of, of their own in the area.
0: And I, I loved on her legislative profile, she said she's a lifelong lover of American football, fast cars, and artisan cheese.
1: Yes, I saw that myself. Although I noted how carefully she was driving when we were going to and from Salem. And, um, and she was talking about how as an engineer, she, she knows that speed kills and she drives the speed limit. So maybe she likes seeing, maybe she likes watching <laughs> fast cars. <laughs>
0: um, so, you know, Oregon, we have a lot of um, political shuffling uh, underway, you know, Governor Kate Brown is is not going to return to that position. And we're going to have this race for governor we haven't seen in a long time. And uh, the new congressional seat. And I mean, it sounds like Representative Bynum from everything uh, you described is uh, not only not going anywhere, but envisions bigger things for herself going forward. Right.
1: Yeah, I asked her if she was um, interested in pursuing, um, you know, the governor's office and, you know, and she, uh, you know, downplayed her interest in that and really was said her goal is to run for Congress.
0: Well, anything else that I should have asked you or things uh, we, we should have discussed?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think you've covered it really, uh, really well.
0: Well, thanks for such an interesting, in-depth look that, at a, one of our um, more influential lawmakers and for taking time to talk about it.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate the chance to talk with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared a link to Noelle's story in the episode notes. If you like this show, leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts or tell a friend help spread the word. If you value our journalism, the best way to support us is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.